I am Jonathan Frick, Manager of Global Mobility at NEO, and this is NEO Go. So many of the conversations that take place at conferences and on webinars in the mobility space are about how to get more out of your program. Once you get past compliance and logistics, the mobility professional is really trying to provide the best and most for the budget provided, for the company, for the employee, and for their customers. This concept of maximizing your mobility program is going to be different for every company, but I always find it an intriguing conversation to hear the approach and direction taken by a mobility professional and their team to get the most out of their program. My two guests, Kay Ironside and Holly Maria Creed, have engaged on this topic and laid out how they are strategically going about the process of maximizing the program for their company, DXC. Kay Ironside started her career at CSC working as a business lead before moving to work in global mobility in 2008 and becoming the UKI global mobility lead in 2015. Kay's strength lays in the field of immigration and a strong background in technology implementation for the global mobility function. Kay, with her worldwide colleagues, is currently working towards the redesign of the global mobility function following a merger focused on developing a new global mobility policy suite. Kay is an innovator who strives to partner with business managers and colleagues to ensure a successful outcome she is tasked with. Alongside her role at DXC Technology, Kay speaks about her experiences within global mobility and in 2018 was proud to win Team of the Year at the FEM EMEA EMAs. Holly Maria Creed graduated with a BA in Honors in History and upon graduation undertook a graduate scheme in U.S. and U.K. expatriation tax before moving to EY to specialize in global mobility. Over the next 18 months, Holly ran a FITSI 100 client account and undertook her first assignment to India. Upon Holly's return from India, she moved into global mobility consulting before undertaking the role of project manager to help the head of global mobility establish a new operating model for an international energy company. This role saw Holly and her colleagues receive considerable industry recognition and named as runner-ups within the EMEA region for Team of the Year. Holly currently works as Globe Mobility Manager responsible for Europe within a large technology firm. Along with her worldwide colleagues, she is currently working towards the harmonization and redesign of the Globe Mobility function following a merger. Holly's role as part of the harmonization project is to lead the vendor management and business visitor compliance and tracker program, a role she has been relishing. Holly is fast gathering a positive reputation as a thought leader and innovator within the industry, and in 2018 co-founded and launched the Next GM. Alongside this achievement, Holly was also highly commended as Global Mobility Professional of the Year at the FEM EMEA EMAs and was thrilled to win Team of the Year at the FEM EMEA EMAs. Please welcome my guests for this conversation about maximizing their mobility program. Okay, I'm here at FEM with Holly Creed, Kay Ironside, and Andy Smales. And the topic of conversation today is going to be maximizing your mobility program. So you have a pretty large population that you move, correct? Yes. And so one of the things you talk about on a regular basis is how can we improve the program. So. One of the words I hear in the industry very often is maximizing your mobility program. What does that mean to you if I were to say, how can you maximize your mobility program? I think it it means something different to every company. So really to maximize the impact of your global mobility program, I think you really need to get out there and talk to your business and actually understand what they want from global mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been on a journey um, in DXC technology 
since um, April 2017. And as part of that, um, Kay actually has been working on a policy project and she actually went out to the business and stakeholders to actually ask what they wanted from Glow Mobility and we found that to be actually quite illuminating because it gave us a lot of insight and that's what Kay has based the policies on. Do you want to add anything to that as far as your mobility policy research? Yeah, I think it was very important to get that feedback, uh, especially from our senior leadership team. Um, it was quite challenging to get their time because they're obviously very busy people, but um, at the end of the day, it was essential for us to sort of um, start on our, our journey with our policies and create our framework. Okay, yeah, that's great. So it sounds like you're actively, quote-unquote, maximizing your mobility program already. What part do you think the employee experience role has to play in the concept of maximizing your I think it's so important and it's something that we are constantly looking at. Um, Our policies were very light and are still very light. We are now looking to launch the new policies. And the main difference between the previous program's policies and the new ones is actually they do look to enhance the employee experience. Mm -hmm. And we are looking at cost optimizations, so actually spending money to save money because we believe if we can get that employee ready and raring to go they're actually going to maximize business return through revenue as they're not going to be then wasting time finding housing we can then get them into cheaper accommodation quicker and they're not going to be running around swing out of bank accounts Mm -hmm. so we want to offer them more support to actually make them more of a functioning employee when they actually arrive in the host country so i relocated from pittsburgh pennsylvania over to denver in order for this new job at ineo and that was a pretty stressful experience, and my, my wife's background is actually in relocation as well. So two people with relocation backgrounds relocating themselves, and it was still stressful. Does the policy also cater to minimizing stress for the employee, and how are you trying to manage that for the employee? Um, so we're looking at offering um, a flexible policy suite. So um, obviously we have our core benefits, which are mainly compliance Mm -hmm. um, but then discretionary benefits which are available to sort to um, actually suit the experience that the employees so the type of their assignment the reason for their assignment the family circumstances so we're looking very much at supporting the employee through the journey of of their assignment and you're not even going to believe this I didn't give you the questions beforehand but my next question was going to be how do you employ Power the employee. So I mean, <laughs> you're, you're do, that's what your entire thing is about. The flex policy it gives mm-hmm. the power to the employee to make the decision that's ultimately going to make their move significantly less stressful and more beneficial for them and their family, which is a, a huge piece of that. Mm-hmm. What about partner and vendor selection? So there's lots of destination service providers out there, household good movers, relocation management companies. What part of the vendor and partner relationship management is play in the role of maximizing your ability program. I'm going to say that maximize over and over again because it's a really fun word to say. At present, um, we have over 80 vendors. Um, it's obviously a huge cost and a mm-hmm. huge number of vendors. So we are looking to get them down to seven core vendors. And as part of that, we are actually doing an RFI at present for a relocation management company. Mm-hmm. And as you've alluded to, there are many, many people. So we've actually invited 17. Okay. Um, and we're currently going through 17 submissions um, with a aspiration to announce um, seven people or five to seven people 
to um, undertake an RFP um, after the 30th of November. So we've only asked the documents to be 1,250 words in length, but we were very um, keen to hear from everyone, really. Um, everyone has a unique offering and a unique um, experience that they can offer our employees, and we didn't want to miss out. So we wanted to have everyone the opportunity to have a voice and to hear what they could offer DXE technology. I think I missed an opportunity. Next time I talk with you, we're going to have to talk about RFPs and RFIs from a corporate perspective as to that entire process because from a vendor side, which I've done many, many, many RFPs in the past, there's kind of a black box in some circumstances. So trying to understand that a little bit better from the corporate side would be a great conversation for us to have in the future, I think. So how do you justify the large cost for relocation? Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about cost optimization, that if we truly want to move employees, then we have to spend money. And if we don't want to spend that money, then we don't move employees. Unfortunately, it is that simple. Um, it's not cheap to, say, get someone even just to move in a country because you have to move their stuff, you have to, like, they have to take time off, uh, everything like that. There is cost just even doing a domestic move. Mm-hmm. So when you do an international move, and we have heavily outsourced a lot of our uh, roles um, to um, India, and therefore... Our clients still do need a hands-on service and we obviously want to do the best for our clients so we need to move our Indian talent to help our clients with their their technology journeys. So a competitive relocation package is a compensation competitive edge for recruiting talents and getting them to work for your company and finding the balance between giving everything but at the same time being economical. That balance is a hard one in order to obtain for your population. How do you go about doing that for your population to make sure that it's competitive enough but at the same time is not cost prohibitive to the company? Well, I think we are going to have a drastic shift and I'll let Kay um, answer a bit more about this as well. And in my opinion, I think we're going to shock a lot of our business managers because we're actually for the first time showing them the true costs of what the assignments are at present with minimal support given to the employee. And when we go live with our new policies, we're actually going to be offering very similar but potentially enhancing what we already offer. So it is going to cost more. But and I think this really is why we're doing this. And we're doing it to actually offer a better employee experience, to help retention, mm-hmm. to actually offer something that our competitors don't offer and it's all sound reason and we've had a few cases where without this extensive support of a package their assignments would fail and Mm -hmm. because people cannot cope. Have you been able to quantify the failure of an assignment? I mean if you send somebody overseas and they they were supposed to be on there for three to five year assignment and six months in they're like my family can't handle this I can't handle this I'm coming home have you been able to quantify that as far as the cost of the company whenever they fail no unfortunately we don't have technology which is another thing that we're really looking at so you know part of what we were talking about a moment ago is is um, we're looking to increase 
the cost of an assignment by a small amount to mm -hmm. enhance the employee experience. But at the moment, we don't know how many exceptions mm -hmm. we're getting. We don't have good data. So, you know, we may actually already be spending that money and we just don't know about it. Sure. So we really need technology to help us, to aid us in this. Um, you know, we may need to go back in six to 12 months and look at our policies again and say, is this actually, has this actually achieved what we expected it to do? Um, but without real data, we can't, can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you both said it now that you're increasing the cost a little bit to save costs down the road, which seems very contrary to some of the things that I've heard people say at this conference that the old expat policy is dead and they're getting leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner. How, how have you found your, that you've been able to forge the way in the opposite direction, essentially, and try to add I, benefits? I think it goes back to what type of industry you're in. And to retain talent in the tech industry is so hard. There are new startups starting up all the time, and they can come in, and they don't have necessarily bandings or salaries and a comp model and a comp structure. So they can just offer whatever they want to employees. And for us then to keep our talent and retain the best people, we have to kind of say, yes, okay, you can go there. Yes, you're maybe going to get that money. But you know what? If you stay with us and you stay with DXE, we can potentially offer you something that could help you far more in terms of your career rather than the instant gratification of money. So it's. I think that's why we're kind of maybe looking at to give a bit more because and also our policies are so lean that we do have if we do take stuff away we are then probably asking people to maybe row themselves over on assignment <laughs> versus and i think our demographic as well are, is not the traditional long-term all singing all dancing mm. expat i think those days when um, a long time ago in our company sure. um, so you know that's why everything is stripped back and back and back but the man hours of put, being put in on administration of trying to help people you know get settled in um, you know as opposed to just giving them a small amount of money to assist them and some extra help um, I'm sure will prove that that will be more cost effective in the long run for the organisation Great so Going back to the concept of maximizing, are you what are you trying to maximize for your company whenever you maximize your mobility program? You mentioned spending costs now so you can make costs or save costs down the road. Are you ultimately maximizing revenue for the company, or how do you tie yourself as a mobility department to the ultimate goal of the company? We like to think we're, we tr we're trying to think a bit more like entrepreneurs, and we're trying to actually help the bottom line. and. And helping the bottom line, particularly as we do have a bit of a, we have heard the whole ethos of hire and retire branded around a little bit, that if we can keep those people, if we can make savings along the road with um, Globe Mobility, then we are helping um, the company bottom line and also our company's objectives. We had a merger last year and since then we have been very much conscious of our cost and our spend and we obviously want to help towards that but we have to realize that we can't do that by just chopping things out of right. a global mobility policy we have to be practical and realistic what will actually still make people go on assignment yeah you talked about technology it's something that you are currently looking into what ultimately are you hoping that technology can do to maximize your mobility program both on the employee front the employee experience but also from an internal mobility perspective 
Um, so the use of a, a, a tool will help us to um, make sure we have consistent processes mm -hmm. uh, globally. We um, operate in between 70 and 90 countries, but we don't have global mobility professionals in those countries. We have shared service centres in various countries mm -hmm. across the globe, but they're not working consistently sure. either. So we really need technology to help us to when we implement our policies to make sure that they're actually being implemented consistently mm -hmm. across the globe and that we, the policy benefits that we want to now offer are actually being applied consistently so we have good data, good reporting and, you know, do offer the assignee a better experience because hopefully it'll be slick and we won't get so many questions from them and as I say, we'll, have, we'll be able to show that by our reporting at the end of the day. And we're also, um, as well, looking. We're using technology actually to create our business visitor compliance and tracker program. Um, we're close to launching a pilot, um, and then going worldwide um, a month later. And that is going to automate the entire business visitor um, process, uh, including getting an invite letter to do your um, visa. So we're trying to make that slick and also enable us then to have strategic conversations with the business on ways we can save money on business travel, i.e. synergies of cost and potentially careful tax planning versus the business just doing what they think is best and then getting saddled with a, a tax bill later down the line. Yeah. So it's going to really empower us to have more entrepreneurial strategic conversations with the business versus going there saying we need money now because you've got a liability. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up business travelers because I talked with a company just about three weeks ago about business travel tracking and did a podcast with them. And I'm finding more and more companies are actually doing something about it. I, I was under the impression that there's you know, a handful that were really pursuing it, but that's not the case. I mean, so one of my really fun questions to ask is, how did you decide that business travelers are going to sit in the mobility department as opposed to the travel department? I know it's a little off topic, but since you brought it up, I figure let's ask the question. We wanted to be the driver of the car, not the passenger, and we have the necessary skills to actually deal with um, business visitors. Mm -hmm. um, all the hot compliance topics are what Globability deals with daily anyway on an um, assignment, so really... <sighs> it's very similar with a business visitor versus it's just different durations mm -hmm. and obviously it's not quite the same packages it's just obviously maybe a bit of accommodation and per diem but ultimately we do believe Glimability has the best skill set to deal with this and we're very excited what we're doing because some of what we've done with our partner is the first in this region and then we're looking at ways which will be the first in the world to do some oh, of this wow. stuff so we're very excited about what we're doing with automation yeah Absolutely. Um, the one point that my other contact made was that we already deal with payroll, we already deal with visa and immigration, we already deal with tax. I yes. mean, it's just a natural fit, all the different pieces of it. It's just another thing that we need to we take on. We have a lot of buy-in from um, our stakeholders, including Travel Desk. They're incredibly supportive of what we're doing. So we can't do the journey alone, but we've made it very clear from the outset we will be driving this car and... Hopefully you will be a passenger. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Maximizing the program involves all aspects of the program, from the policy to the vendors to the technology. 
A full and complete view of the mobility function is a necessary first step in order to recognize and prioritize what time, efforts, and energy of the team should be focused on in order to get the most out of their program. I think we can all agree that Kay and Holly have put a significant amount of energy into their process and are continuing to invest in their department to ultimately lead to the best service they can provide to their stakeholders. I wanted to thank Holly and Kay again for their willingness to talk with me. I found it very engaging, and I hope you have as well. In order to hear more interviews and conversations with mobility leaders like Kay and Holly, please tune in over the next couple of months. In the meantime, this is Jonathan Frick. Thanks for listening.